This is Outlandish Outcasts at outlandishoutcasts.com. Welcome to Outlandish Outcasts. I'm your host, Al. With me, as always, the lovely Dazzy. It's me, How you doing Dazzy. tonight, Dazzy? Eh, I'm doing okay. It's like the end of the year. It is, it is. It is. We, we, for the first time in 86 weeks, we took a week off for Christmas. We did. We did. So. Well, we were kind of talking about going every other week, but we didn't really finish that conversation. Yeah, we haven't come to a complete decision yet, but it's possible we could go to an every other week release I mean, cycle. if we do, we'll announce it. Yes. Hopefully the majority of our listeners listen to that episode. Yep. <laughs> and if they don't, then we just become an every other week, and you know that's and when you'll get like, it. And they'll be like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, did you, we had a good holidays. I hope everybody out there had a good Christmas. If you celebrate Christmas, of course. Yes. We had Grinch deliver. Oh yeah. I got to play the Grinch. To a lot of our friends and family. Yeah, that was fun. Couldn't celebrate with the majority of our friends and family. So we did something spontaneous and fun and not so much something up your alley. No, not really. It's but up my alley. I had but fun. I'm always able to convince you to do things mm-hmm. that you most likely do not want to do, but nobody was able to see your face, yeah. even though everybody knew it was you. And it all went extremely well, except for our last stop when I hurt myself because I fell flat on my face. Well, on my knee. But yeah. It's because I couldn't see out of the mask. It was not a very, it's a very good looking mask. It's not a very good able to see and breathe out of mask. We, we did have one kid flick you off yes i did i had a kid flick me off he was afraid i was going to come steal his christmas so within he mom put him up in the windowsill it's like a bay window put him up there and within a matter of three seconds his middle finger was up (laughs) and i just busted out laughing i was like wow (laughs) i have to say if there was any kid that was going to flick me off i would have bet it would have been him (laughs) (laughs) He's a, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the kid. He's a nice kid. He's just a little rambunctious and got it. No, he takes you know. after his mother is what yeah. you're trying to say. <laughs> this is true. In this a nice true. roundabout way. This is true. And she probably would have been the same at her age because yeah. she's got a little bit of a potty mouth. Mm-hmm. I've got a little bit of a potty mouth. She didn't learn that from me, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I'm first. You are. And I'm going are. to start with a... a not really a Christmas story, but this is a story about somebody about something that somebody got for Christmas. Okay. So I thought it was an interesting... This year or... This year. This year. Yep. Was um, it me? No. This took place in Toronto. Oh, I don't live in Canada. Um, 24-year-old Justin Fernandez. In, okay. in July, 24-year-old Justin Hernandez was walking home from work when he was struck by a motorcycle. Uh, the impact severed his right leg, sent him to the hospital, and then he ended up in a rehab facility for months. He lost his leg. Yuck. And he had to learn, you know, obviously to walk with a prosthetic, and, you know, none of that is fun. Uh, but he had a, How would you know? Well, I, I guess. Know. <laughs> I, I wouldn't know either. I would imagine fun. it's not fun. Um, but he decided he wanted to to kind of to, to have some closure about losing his leg. He decided... He wanted to call some taxidermy places and see if he could get his leg, like the actual bones, kind of put together as if, you know, and take it home and kind of put it on a mantle somewhere. 
This is almost reminding me, I mean, it, it's not the same story, but reminding me of the guy who ate his foot. Mm. That I think you brought that mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Yeah. Ick. Um, uh, Justin uh, told a, a, a CTV, uh, Canadian TV news team on a phone interview last week that this is just how he wanted to grieve. So. Well, I could see that. Like, even the body physically, not always, but usually can grieve. Yeah. Like, a loss well, of yeah. a body part. And it's more psychological or physiological, I should mm-hmm. say, than anything. Because, yeah, there's just psychology behind it. The ordeal was a little more difficult than he thought it would be when he got the idea in his head. <laughs> well, I couldn't imagine because I could. I don't know if Bone would deteriorate. Well, but a- after his accident, he posted a, a message on an internet page that's dedicated to taxidermy, um, and it said he wanted to have his leg treated. And the Prehistoria Natural History Center in downtown Toronto answered How do you his think message. Flesh, good. It's. It, there's no flesh. It's just bone. It's just bone? It's just the bone. Well, I think taxidermy, I think skin, yeah. too. Yeah, this is just bone. Like stuffed animals. Um, the PNHC, um, they usually handle animal skeletons for display purposes. Uh, they also have a business doing pet memorials. Um, and so, you know, they reached out, had an interview with the kid, thought it was a good idea, decided to donate their services. They didn't charge him at all because they thought it was such a such a neat idea. Um, they had uh, he had reached out to one other company prior to this and that company quoted him fifteen thousand dollars for them to do his leg. Um, this the, the company that did it, this PNHC said they thought that was ridiculous. They wouldn't charge $15,000 to get a whale off a beach and make it <laughs> and wow. do it. So it was nice that they did it for nothing, of course. Um, but you can't just simply walk out of the hospital with your limb. No. <laughs> Not exactly something they let you do. So you had to get a custom <laughs> waiver to get it's it released. It's mine. I'm taking it with me. <laughs> During an interview, he said, if you can picture this, I'm in the hospital. I don't even have a prosthetic leg yet. I'm hopping around, stuck in bed, and I'm sending emails and dozens of phone calls all over the place to try to get waivers and permission and get to be able to take my That's leg crazy. with me. Once he got the permission, they said he could take his leg, but he had to prove that the place he was sending it to could handle it. So then the place he was sending it to had to go through an interview process to make sure they knew how to handle bone and how to, you know, how to deal with it. Um... Once finally given the go-ahead, he had to then contact a funeral home because they're the only ones legally allowed to, in Canada to move a limb from one spot to oh another. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is costing a lot more already than yeah. just letting it go. Um, they came and picked it up. It was, he said it was all wrapped up with biohazard stickers all over it. Well, yeah, there's blood. Yeah, I, I mean, it's crazy stuff. Um. He said it was weird because he did get to see them wrap it up, and it was the first time he actually saw his whole leg and kind of saw what happened to it and how mangled it was. And he said that was kind of, kind of a, a, a shock. Um, his family thought he was being morbid, of course. <laughs> like some, I can imagine. Makes you wonder that. what his personality is like, or if he was truly just mourning this. Yeah, that's true. He, I mean, he keeps saying that you know. People grieve in different ways, and this was how I was mm-hmm. grieving the loss of my leg. It was a hit and run at 24 years old. 
you lose your leg and it's just how he decided he wanted to deal with it and on christmas eve um they delivered his 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 leg Aww. and like the picture here i got isn't very good but they i'll probably definitely had have it a better picture on the website before christmas and they were like no we're keeping it just just looks kind of it's just it looks like a like if you were in like a science class and they have this a skeleton just a leg of it just sitting there and can you imagine looking at that, like having it on display somewhere in your house, and you're just like, I used to walk on that. <laughs> That's fine. That's nice and white bone right there. Just thought, I mean, it was kind of a morbid story, but I liked the idea. I, I, I liked this process he had to go through to get it. He was willing well, it to go through all that. makes you wonder how much that cost. Yeah, I have no idea. Um, no clue how much. he. I mean, he didn't end up paying for, I, mean, I don't know how much the, all the paperwork and all that cost that he didn't end up having to pay for the actual work being done. And I could almost see getting this paperwork cleared. Cause could you imagine bringing it to a taxidermist or whoever? And they're dealing now, instead of with animal flesh, mm, they're dealing human with human flesh. flesh. And let's say FBI is called in for whatever reason. Yeah. And now all of a sudden this person's, under investigation for hiding dead bodies yeah, I or can something. Imagine, I can imagine. So there are many reasons the for, paperwork for a lot of paperwork to, kind of protect, to, not to protect that, yes. Just one party, but a few different parties yes. in the process, I'm sure. Yes. Like, how do you dispose of the dead animal flesh? Does it go in the dumpster? Does somebody, like... Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing go, not oh in my just God, a regular this dumpster. Is I'm guessing it's wrapped in some biohazard bags. <laughs> this is a human calf. This isn't a bear calf. <laughs> yeah. Crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. That I is just, crazy. I just thought it was cool. Got, got his leg for Christmas. Well, Merry Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so, um... I'm bringing the sad story this week. Aww. I'm starting off. But my next two stories are super, super upbeat and bubbly and fun. Okay. I figured we're going to start with kind of how I was trained at one job. You start with the negative and you end in the positive. Okay. I can, so, I can understand that. So we're going to start. Um, I just thought it was kind of interesting. I had found this uh, last time i was researching but it was like this is going to be the christmas episode i'm not bringing this okay now makes sense so um mine is the children who went up in smoke a tragic christmas mystery remains unsolved for 60 years after the di disappearance of five young siblings oh so yeah yeah um, this is going to be sad. We're not talking Cheech and Sean's this is like, smoke, are we? <laughs> this is a very long story. This is also my longest story. But it all kind of... I mean, I went through and I scratched out stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> not a lot of stuff. Um, I'm like, I need to sum this up as best as possible. And I might skip through it and Kay. whatever else. I am intrigued. So... Um, so anyone driving down Route 16 near Fayetteville, West Virginia, uh, could see a billboard bearing the grainy images of five children, all dark-haired, uh, dark eyes, their names and age was Maurice 14, Martha 12, uh, Louis 9, Jeannie 8, Betty 5. Okay. Uh, stenciled beneath, along with the speculations about what happened to them, Fayetteville is a small town, Rumors play uh, always play a large role 
in these types of yes. cases. I lived in a small town and there were two different types of cases. And yeah, it's small mm-hmm. enough where somebody will say something and next thing you know, that's what happened. Yep. Everybody thinks they know who did it. And, you know, wow, it sounds like social media. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, not going there. Um, the night before Christmas in 1945, children went to sleep. One son was away in the army because they had 10 kids. Okay. Nine were at home. Around 1 a.m., a fire broke out. George and Jeannie, mom Jeannie, not daughter Jeannie, mm-hmm. and four of their children escaped, but the other five were never seen again. Um, yeah. George had tried to save them, breaking a window to re-enter the house. He could see nothing through the smoke and fire. Um, he was taking mental note. Two-year-old Sylvia is outside. Uh, being her crib was in the bedroom, they took her immediately mm-hmm. outside. She was safe. 17-year-old uh, Marin and two sons, uh, 23-year-old John, 16-year-old George Jr., uh, who fled the upstairs bedroom. They shared, um, singed their hair on the way out. Oof. The fire was on the staircase, it sounded like. Okay, so they just, just got out. Uh-huh. Um, so he figured that the other five still had to be upstairs, Um, cowering in two bedrooms on either end of the hallway, separated by the staircase. Um, He raced back outside, hoping to reach them through the upstairs window, but the ladder he always kept propped against the house was strangely missing. (laughs) That's Um, weird. And the idea struck. He would drive one of his two coal trucks up to the house, climb atop um, it to reach the windows, but even though... He, um, they had functioned perfectly the day before. Neither would start. Oh. Um, Talk about a string of bad luck. Yeah. His daughter, Marion, sprinted to the neighbor's home to call the Fayetteville Fire Department, but couldn't get any operator um, response. Neighbor who saw the blaze made a call from a nearby tavern, but again, no operator responded. Um, well, we're talking Christmas Eve, 1945, or whatever you said it was. Yeah, I guess it doesn't surprise me that there's no. Isn't it Christmas night? Or whatever, Christmas night, Christmas Eve, 1945. The night before Christmas. Yeah. Okay, Christmas Eve. Um, Not like today, where you know there'd be somebody on the end of that phone when you called. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, the neighbor drove into town to track down the fire chief. Um, F.J. Morris, who initiated Fayetteville version of the fire alarm, uh, a phone tree back in the day. Okay. And the fire department didn't arrive until 8 a.m. They woke up at 1. Oh, whoa, whoa. That's way too long. So this is back in the day when they probably didn't have... It's a small area. I'm sure it's... Yeah. Yeah. By which point uh, the Sodder's home had been reduced to a smoking pile of ash. So, uh, George and Jeannie assumed that five of their children were dead, but a brief search of the grounds on Christmas Day turned up no trace of remains. Mm. Chief Morris suggested that the blaze had been hot enough to completely cremate the bodies. A state police inspector combed the rubble and attributed excuse me, the fire to, a faulty, to faulty wiring. Okay. George Kinda covered figured. the basement um, with five feet of dirt, Intended to preserve the site as a memorial, the coroner's office issued five death certificates. I can't talk. Issued five death certificates, 
just before the new year attributing the causes to fire or suffocation. Hmm. Um, but the Sodders began to wonder if their children were still alive. The Sodders planted flowers across the space uh, where the house had stood and began to stitch together a series of odd moments leading up to the fire. Okay. So, um, okay, so there was a stranger who appeared at the home a few months earlier um, back in the fall asking about hauling work. And he got to the back of the house, pointed out two separate fuse boxes and said, this is going to cause a fire someday. Um, George thought, especially since he had just had the wiring checked by the local local power company, which pronounced it as in fine condition. Mm-hmm. Um, family odd. life insurance salesman came out, tried to sell them. Life insurance became irritated when George declined. And he had hollered, your goddamn house is going up in smoke. He warned, you and your children are going to be destroyed. You are going to be paid for the dirty remarks you have made about, um, been making about uh, Mussolini. George was indeed outspoken about his dislike for the Italian dictator. He was originally from Italy. That, okay. This is, I mean, this is starting to definitely sound suspicious. Get a little weird. So, um... Occasionally engaging in heated arguments when others, um, members of the Fayetteville's Italian community, he he was known for that more or less. So um, the older sons also recalled something peculiar. Just before Christmas, they noticed a man parked along U.S. Highway 21, intently watching the younger kids as they came home from school. Around 12.30 Christmas morning after the children had opened a few presents and everyone had gone to sleep, the shrill ring of the telephone broke the quiet. Jeannie rushed to answer it. An unfamiliar female voice asked for an unfamiliar name. She said, you had the wrong number, tiptoed back to bed. She noticed that all the downstairs lights were still on and the curtain open. The front door was unlocked. She saw Marion... Um, asleep on the sofa and assumed that the other kids were upstairs in bed. She turned out the lights, closed the curtains, locked the door, and returned to her room. Hmm. Um, She just began to doze when she heard one sharp, loud bang on the roof and a rolling noise. An hour later, she she woke up again. This Mm -hmm. time it was to heavy smoke curling into Mm -hmm. the room. Um, she didn't understand how five children could perish in the fire and leave no bones, no flesh, no nothing. That does seem really weird to me. Like, really weird. Well, when I first kind of read that, I'm like, how bad was this fire? How engulfed was it? Because you can cremate a body. How long was the fire going? Well, no, you 1 a.m. Like, to 8 a.m. That's a long time frame. I like, and I remember my, my grandpa was cremated. Like, there were pieces of bone still in that urn you know it wasn't all ash in seven hour time frame i guess yeah um she knew that the remains of various household appliances had been found in the burn burned out basement so she did question because mm-hmm. of that yeah i mean but I i'm thinking it. i'm not saying it can't happen but i would metal though metal is a little different well, yeah. like appliances have some sort of metal and mm-hmm. to me i could see that maybe bending a little with the heat but not it's not going to melt or yeah. anything by no means um an employee at the cream 
the crematorium informed her that bone remains, um, bodies are burned for two hours at 2,000 degrees. I could see the house getting hotter than 2,000 yeah, degrees. Yeah, it got hotter than 2,000 degrees. Seven hours. Yeah. I mean, like you said, there are bone fragments, but for two hours, yeah. we're talking longer. Yeah, we're talking a lot longer. Their house was destroyed in 45 minutes. And they say 45 minutes, and I'm thinking, we don't know the exact time no. that the fire went out. We don't know if the actual fire went out. Dad's saying it does, but when you're panicking like that, I can guarantee you time is going by a, a lot yeah. faster or it's going by extremely slower depending you on your, if your adrenaline's kicked in or if you are in this tunnel vision. You type. also don't know if this, if the fire started um, somewhere near these children and right. let's say they never wake up due to smoke inhalation and right. they could have been literally if burnt to downstairs. a crisp before anybody woke up. Right. Because it was in the stairway. And who knows? Mm -hmm. Just, I mean, it's all weird, though. Yeah. And I mean, the, the, the stuff about the other people saying that their house is going to burn and things like that and the fuse box thing, that stuff's weird. But but back in the day, people would say that stuff all the time yeah, and you didn't I'm hear people pressing charges for terroristic threats no, or that, anything no, like that, that either. Um, a witness came forward, though, claiming that he had saw a man at the fire scene taking a block and tackle used for removing car engines. So that could be the reason why George's truck refused to start. Could be. Question. Uh, one day while the family was visiting the site, Sil Sylvia had found a hard rubber object in the yard. Jeannie recalled hearing the hard thud on the roof, mm -hmm. a rolling sound. George concluded it was a napalm. Napalm. There we go. A pineapple bomb mm -hmm. um, of the type used in what? warfare yeah. so um huh. then came the reports of sightings and they got a lot of call-ins of i saw i saw yeah. i saw you know you yeah i mean you get a lot of that in a small town for it sure. wasn't just a small town it went all the way down to florida okay so you're gonna get you're also gonna get a lot of that when you have people in the somebody in the community that some people don't like they're gonna find reasons to some people well, find reasons to see something some people find reasons yeah. to not see something yeah. So uh, George and Jeannie sent a letter about the case to the Federal Bureau of Investigations. They received a reply from J. Edgar Hoover. Um, it stated, although I'd like to be of service, the matter re related appears to be of local character and does not come within investigation jurisdiction of the Bureau. So okay. they didn't have luck there. No help from um, the FBI. So they did turn to a PI, uh, C.C. Tinsley, who discovered that the insurance salesman who had threatened George was a member of the coroner's jury that deemed the fire accidental. Um, hmm. He had also heard a curious story of the Fayetteville minister about F.J. Morris, the fire chief. Morris had claimed no remains were found. He supposedly um, confided that he had discovered a heart in the ashes. He hid in hid it inside a dynamite box and buried it at the scene. Um, Tinsley and Morris pers uh, persuaded Morris to show them the spot, mm -hmm. and they did dig up the box and took it straight to a local funeral director who poked and prodded the heart and concluded that it was a beef liver untouched by the fire. <laughs> uh, soon afterwards... I was getting all excited. I'm like, <laughs> oh, they found something. <laughs> 
The, but it makes me go, what does this guy know? Like, why would yeah, you... Yeah, that is weird. It, it, it just seems a like, random beef liver just laying there? Did he... Th- that's just weird. That is really weird. Like, it's, it's almost like he w- he wanted to be able to prove that the children died in the fire, which makes me think, where the heck are these kids? Yeah. Like, um, yeah. Somebody sell them? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't. He was trying to stop the investigation. So, okay. but why? Yeah, it doesn't it's make any just sense. Weird. Like, uh, over the next few years, tips and leads continue to come in. Of course, um, August of nineteen forty-nine, the Sodders decided to mount a new search at the fire scene and brought in Washington D.C. pathologist named Oscar Hunter. And the excavation was thorough, uncovering several. Um, small objects, damaged coins, partly burnt dictionary. So not anything we're finding out now was completely mm-hmm. burnt to so ash. There's, there's some things left. Uh, uh, several shards of vertebrae was hmm. found. Hunter sent the bones to the Smithsonian Institution, uh, which issued the following report. The human bones consist of four lumbar vertebrae belonging to one individual. Since the transverse recesses are fused the age of the individual at death would have been 16 or 17 years the top age should be about 22 since the centra uh, which normally fuses at at 23 are still unfused on this basis the bones show greater skeletal maturation than one would expect for a 14 year old boy the oldest missing solder child um it is, however, possible, although not probable, for a 14-and-a-half-year-old to show 16-17 maturation. So the odds are this wasn't any of the kids that were missing. So there's somebody else that died in the fire that we don't know? That's so weird. So it kind of came. Um, I was going to get into that, but I can sum that one up. When Kay. they put the, dumped the dirt into the basement mm-hmm. and covered it, the bones were in that. Oh. So somebody else died somewhere else. Somebody else died there in the area. Well, wherever they got the dirt from, the body was put. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But we're not going to get into that. That's something that wasn't even talked about in this other than that. Like, how weird is that? That is weird. Um, Or somebody put it there, but it was never touched by... I know, fire I know, or I know they say it's you know improbable, but I, I'm guessing it's not absolutely impossible that it belonged to the 14 and a half year old. I guess it was impossible. There is no signs of fire, smoke, anything. Only dirt. Oh, so okay. it was completely impossible. So either somebody planted it there, okay, or I won't, I won't dwell on that one anymore. The dirt filling it in was mm-hmm. it came in with that dirt. Okay, uh, so. And that's more or less what they concluded um, for the bones, that it had nothing to do with their children. Um, So George and Jeannie, um, well, actually, Smithsonian prompted two hearings at the Capitol in Charlottetown, after which the governor, Patterson, and state police um, superintendent told the Sodders their search was hopeless and declared the case closed. I would be a high rate and Yeah, I wouldn't be very happy. Um, George and Jeannie erected a billboard along Route 16 
and passed out flyers offering $5,000 reward for information leading to the recovery of their children. They soon increased the amount to 10000 Of course, leads started coming in. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go through all of that. Um, and then at some point in 1968, 20, more than 20 years after the fire, Jeannie went to the mailbox, found an envelope, addressed only to her it was postmarked in kentucky but had no return address inside was a photo of a man in his mid-20s lewis sauter and on the back it wrote lewis sauter i love brother frankie and then it's like i lil boys a90132 or 35 um and they said there were a lot of characteristics that it did look like lewis they said it was the same straight, strong nose and the same upward tilt of the left eyebrow that pretty much confirmed it for them. Yeah. Um, once again, they hired a private detective, sent him to Kentucky, and they never heard from him again. <laughs> so maybe they well, should look for his bones inside the something dirt. And <laughs> something happened to him, or who knows. So the Sodders feared that if they published the letter or the name of the town on the postmark, they might harm their son. Instead, they amended the billboard to include an updated image of Lewis and hung an enlarged um, version over the fireplace. Mm -hmm. Time is running out for us, George said in an interview, but we only uh, want to know if they died died in the fire. Mm -hmm. We want to be convinced. Otherwise... We want to know what happened to them. And then he died a year later in 1968, still hoping for a break in the case. And then Jeannie um, sounded like she just put walls up. I mean, literally in her yeah, yard yeah. and stuff and emotionally. And emotionally. I can understand that. Um, sure. And yeah, so it's just, it's sad. So just, no, that's horrible. Like... like she died in 1989. The kids, all the remaining kids, still believed that their siblings mm-hmm. were out there. I mean, how could you not, though, growing up, I listening ima- to your parents? Like, none of this makes sense, and you're seeing it all, too, firsthand. I can't imagine not having any kind of closure. I mean, my guy from the first story had closure when he lost his leg. These people lost their children, and but they don't know. You know, were their children dead? Are they not dead? Did they die in but a fire? Did somebody sure take them? They're not dead, and usually moms have that little yeah. bit of an instinct of I know they're alive. Yeah. Or I just know, like I just know. I think this isn't the first time I've seen this story. But I didn't know nearly as much as you went into. I must have like skimmed it at some point while well, there's researching. So many or it, maybe it, 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 it might have hit the um, uh, the unsolved mysteries subreddit or something like that. Maybe um, that's probably where I saw it. Now that I think of it, but it's been a long time since I saw this too, and it's it, it's, it's a fascinating story. It is, especially it didn't get into the kids' thoughts too much, but they like had their theories they thought that the mob tried to recruit their dad yeah. and he was like no way because he didn't like mussolini and all that fun stuff and Strange or maybe he time. caused trouble if there was part of the mob there you don't yeah i mean who know knows really who knows and it's you know it, i mean i guess if there was mob connections i guess it wouldn't surprise me that much this is a time in our country where the mob was very powerful and did control a lot 
And, you know, there's weird things happening, like the private investigators disappearing, you know. And that, to me, was that's a little weird. strange. Unless he just ran off with the money. Uh, that could be, too. Because you know, that went through my head, too. Like, I like to think about all things, not just, oh, I want it to be this. No, yeah. <laughs> try to figure out. What try, happened. Yeah. But there is no trying to figure it out because it's so broad. Yeah. And obviously, that that's one of those where you're never going to know. It's been so long. There's no... There's no knowing. No none. knowing at all. Nope. That's so sad. <laughs> but you would have thought at some point a child at 12 yeah. or 6 or 8 or whatever their ages were would come out and be like, hey, Unfortunately, I it happened when it did, obviously. If this were now, they would have better scientific and forensic tests to go through and sift through those ashes and find some piece of those kids. You know, yeah. you know, th- they didn't have those. That they could almost still do that if they wanted to. They might be able to. I, I was, I was kind of thinking <gasps> that would it be possible to excavate the area, go through and sift through everything? Who's going to spend something? that much time? Yeah, time and money and uh, resources to but have something like that would be very though, difficult. Like, but just to know. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Crazy. That is crazy. Crazy. Nice downer story. Well, it was kind of an interesting <laughs> downer story. I mean... Yeah. Oh, very interesting. Very interesting. And a lot more intriguing than my next story. Great. <laughs> I'm ready to be bored. Hold on. Let me let me have another sip it's here. It's not boring. Let me get my interest juice in. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Do you know... The Muffin Man? What the most popular burger... Is in the con- in in the U.S. The Juicy Lucy. No. The California burger. N- no. The most popular burger in the U.S. is McDonald's Quarter Pounder. I said that earlier. Yeah, but not while we were talking. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Anyway. Should be the Juicy Lucy, but it's not nationwide. It has been a staple on McDonald's menu since the nineteen seventy since nineteen seventy. Uh, was invented. It was first came up by a franchise owner. His name was Al Bernadin. Uh, and he noticed that the standard McDonald's hamburger has like no meat, and he wanted more meat on a burger, so he came up with the quarter pounder. But there's still no meat on the quarter pounder. I know, but it's it's, it's still more than the a regular hamburger at McDonald's. Uh, I didn't realize. Is uh, it even meat? Yeah, yeah, it's hamburger. Is it really? Uh, yeah, it's I, hamburger. I just why it does hamburger. why does frozen patties? at fast food chains not taste like meat. I don't know. This is why I don't like a lot of fast food restaurants. I didn't realize that uh, McDonald's does have a trademark on the term quarter pounder, so no other restaurant is allowed to call their quarter pound hamburger a quarter pounder. That is a McDonald's trademark. Hmm. I know a few small local businesses that probably could be sued. And they they very well could, (laughs) and if they they got big enough, they would be. McDonald's will come after you if you are using it, and and if they notice that you're using it. So if you're a small small little cafe somewhere, nobody's going to come after you, I'm sure, but they can. Well, I don't think they mean it in the intent of, they're just saying it's a quarter-pound burger. Like you have a cheeseburger, a third quarter-pound, quarter-pound, Half pound. Yeah. Um, That's crazy. But yeah, it, it is trademarked. Um, where was I now? Sorry, I'm good at that. <laughs> oh. Uh, many 
many other restaurants around the country, around the world, have tried to find a way to beat the Quarter Pounder. Okay, now when we do eat at McDonald's, I don't eat the fries. But I do, Quarter Pounder is the one burger that I will eat. Mm -hmm. It's more for the onions because they're so large. uh, And it has to have cheese on it or it's not right. Uh, like I said, there's a lot of restaurants that have tried to figure out a way to beat the quarter pounder, and has to be fresh. Including, in, in, including McDonald's has tried this as well. So it's not just their competitors, but everybody, like almost everybody, has come out and tried to make a third pound burger and to get it to sell better than the quarter pounder. Biggest example was in 1980s A and W. They came out Ooh. with what they called their third pounder. They priced it at or below the price of a quarter pounder at McDonald's. They had, you know, a bunch of tests done. Buns are different. They had tons of tests done. Every like focus group test they had done, their burger was, the people thought their burger tasted better. You know, so it was a better tasting burger. It was less expensive and you got more meat. Was the rest of their food less expensive? I'm not sure. That could this be very was just about this <laughs> this burger. The problem is it didn't go anywhere and nobody bought it. And nobody and once they did a, a study afterwards to figure out why is this burger not working, they realized the reason the burger's not working is because the American average American person is stupid. <laughs> in, what, what, it, do you want to retract those words? In in focus group <laughs> in studies and focus that group what they literally said in focus groups testing afterwards they found out the reason their burger was not selling as well as a quarter pounder was because people looked at it and said i'm getting ripped off that's got a four yours only has a three <gasps> fractions oh my <laughs> god so people. yes a third of a pound is larger than a quarter of a pound but people <sighs> don't recognize that when they see it you have to think <laughs> baking <laughs> You take a cup, and when you get a quarter, it's a one-fourth. And there are yeah. four of those in a cup. Yeah. A third cup, two-thirds cup, and three-thirds, so there's only three of those, meaning it's more than a quarter. And it wasn't just A&W that ran these tests. McDonald's themselves came out with a third-pound burger. They priced it at the exact same price as their quarter-pound burger on the same menu right <laughs> next to each other. And people bought the quarter pounder. People bought the quarter pound burger because they thought it was a better value. Oh my! (laughs) It's absolutely crazy that we like. It's a simple fraction: a quarter and a third. Very simple. This is why when Ava started fractions, Mm -hmm. I said, "When you start fractions, make sure you let me know because I like to break down fractions in two simple ways." Mm For the different type of mindset. Yeah. Baking and money. Yeah. Except the thirds might be harder to explain in money scenario. Yeah. Because it's hard to... I mean, you could throw 33 cents out there. 33.33 cents out there. And tell them, okay, now tell me what's bigger. This is a third. This is a quarter. Weird. So, yeah, that's... 
the the story of many many restaurants trying to launch a third pound burger and it failing because well it falls into it wasn't the a good value. average american it does averages an eighth grade reading level this is true yeah so it's the truth yeah it is that's something i had to learn in my profession that's where I, well, I didn't learn it there, though. I actually learned it going to college because I had in the degree I got. You have mm-hmm. to know how to work with people and you have to understand that most people, the average person, you have to be able to talk to your crowd. Yeah, you have to be able to speak to your audience for sure. And if you don't know how, you're going to lose them. Yep. Or you're going to look like a snooty a hole <laughs> yep. if you are trying to look smart yes well i will so. i will let you know if if anybody ever offers me would you rather have the quarter pound burger or the third pound burger i'm always gonna take the third <laughs> depends on how hungry i am i suppose i suppose or if i'm trying to really watch my intake of the bun if the bun is the same s- or the carbs if the Burgers, mm. the, the bun is the same size on both burgers. Of course, I'm going to go with the third yeah. pound because there's more protein in yep. that. But, anyways, that was a good story. I thought it that was is just crazy. I'm like, what was the marketing? Was that the bad? Like, no idea. Nope. It had to come down to fractions. Down to fractions. And this is why I like to give visuals to my children when yeah. I teach the fractions. With Tristan, it was all about the money. Yeah. Baking, no. Ian, baking. Ava's like, yeah, I just don't want to learn. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, thinking of food, mm. my next story. Oh, wait a minute. That's my last story. For some reason, it jumped in front. Okay, <laughs> we're not doing the food. Okay. That's the last story. So, you remember the movie Up? I never saw the whole yes. thing. Oh, you didn't. I was going to say you watched it with us, but I didn't realize you didn't see the whole thing. I, no, I, I've seen portions of it. I've seen the gut wrenching beginning, you know, where everybody cries that watches it. I've seen that portion. But it's so happy at the end that you I've cry. never seen the end. <laughs> Weird. You've watched it with me and Tristan. I'm sure You've I fell asleep. You've watched it with me and the kids. I'm sure I fell asleep. Huh. Anyways, so up. The thing I'm bringing out of this is the house. Okay. With the balloons. Mm-hmm. The clustering balloons. Okay. So I came across something recent. But I'm going to go throughout the history before touching on the recent. Okay. Because apparently this is not new. Who knew? Uh, cluster ballooning have you ever heard of it no i haven't okay so it's a form of ballooning where a harness attached to a balloonist to a cluster of helium inflated rubber balloons unlike traditional hot air balloons are where a single large balloon is equipped invented blah 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 Mm -hmm. um the ballooning groups with the cluster of helium balloons though there's no control of the balloons. Yeah, I would imagine it'd be difficult. So in order to go up, there's like things like water bottles. Okay. They call it jetsoned. And all I keep thinking is you drop this water bottle down. If there's somebody standing right where it <laughs> drops, that's going to hurt if not yeah. cause damage. Um, 
So you drop water bottles to ascend. Or How do you, you let descend? go of balloons. Okay. You shoot them. Okay. So you got to shoot the balloons or let go of oh, yeah. balloons. Hell no. <laughs> That's <laughs> I would never do this. Uh, I don't recommend anyone doing this and i recommend people listening to this whole thing to understand why okay. unless you know what you're doing mm-hmm. and you have <laughs> emts standing nearby i mean <laughs> i don't recommend have doing you ever this. just let go of a balloon that was open it goes flying <laughs> <laughs> well this is weird because some of the numbers of the balloons that people have mm-hmm. but these i believe are like the really big balloons i yeah. have one of the really I mean, I big Im- balloons i got for one of your birthdays but i never i didn't realize how big the balloon was <laughs> so i never blew it up because yeah. i'm like that t- tank of helium that i bought is tank bigger then the balloon itself i don't think we're filling that thing up so i never blew it up but i still have it because it's ginormous Mm -hmm. um so anyways the uh french adventurer august picard just like you know star trek Mm -hmm. picard that's what i thought of as soon as you said it (laughs) experimented with cluster balloon flight in rochester minnesota in july of 1937 he was actually the first person to fly in the stratosphere wow even airplanes had don't go into the stratosphere um well they might now but it's rare for them to even stay there yeah um in september of the same year um inspired by picard an american photographer um, for Paramount News, used 32 weather balloons for a feature photography assignment near Old Orchard Beach in Maine. He suspended hmm. from the balloons by a parachute harness in order to take aerial film footage. Uh, his rope broke, oh. and he was lifted approximately 700 feet into the air. A clergy- clergyman, I can't even say it, Father James Mullen spotted the incident, and after a chase of some 13 miles, Holy cow. he used a 22 caliber rifle to shoot um, out two of the balloons, thus allowing the photographer to return safely to the ground. Because you don't want to shoot them all, because no, then you're course, just going to drop. Gonna drop. Um, oh my God, that, can, can you imagine? Like, oh, I'd be so freaked out. Uh, yeah. I'm not a heights person, and to be tr- strapped to some balloons, balloons though, that's that are all it like took. 32, 32. It's crazy. Um, so in a lawn chair, Larry. <laughs> sounds like some redneck stuff here. <laughs> yeah, in the lawn chair, Larry Flight, Larry Walters, without any prior ballooning experience. Attached 42 helium-filled <laughs> yeah. weather balloons to a, a lawn chair. This is a, I've got a case of beer and got a really good idea. <laughs> he did have a beer <laughs> and lifted off in 1982. Uh, in defending against charges later filed against him by the FAA, Ooh. he stated that he intended to rise just a few hundred feet, um, but underestimated helium's lifting power causing well i mean it's helium that doesn't weigh so i mean and you think it doesn't weigh and i weigh this much Mm. and yeah so he stated that he intended to rise just a few hundred feet um causing his teetering strap to break permanently 
Uh, Walters quickly rose to nearly three miles, over 50 Holy times the cow. intended maximum altitude. Walters reported reportedly had planned to control his altitude by using a pellet gun. However, he was initially hesitant to shoot any balloons as he was concerned about falling out due to the loss of stability. Mm. So, uh, <laughs> reaching a high altitude and seeing no other way of getting down, he eventually did shoot several of the balloons, initiating the descent. Um, <sighs> the Guinness Book of World Records recognizes the highest altitude attained via cluster ballooning to be that achieved by Mike Howard, UK, and Steve Davis, USA, uh, who on August 4th of 2001 over Las Luna, New Mexico, USA, I wonder if that's where they have the Helium Balloon Festival yeah, maybe. once a year. Um, they used 400 helium balloons to reach a high over 18,300 feet. Holy cow. Larry Walters is estimated to have reached um, 16,000 feet and 82. However, he's not being recognized because he didn't have the proper altimeter. Okay. Um, so on June 8th of 2013, Joe Barbera of La Center, Washington, launched a lawn chair with cluster balloons. Why a launch chair? They didn't <laughs> even have the gravity <laughs> chairs Seems back like in a good these idea. days. These are like, <laughs> well, 2013... I don't know. I don't know. Hopefully, because you know what the chairs look like in the 80s. Oh, yeah. Of They're course. like the little, oh, my God. Anyways, <laughs> um, so cluster balloons have recorded a new altitude record of 21,194 feet. And this is pending wow. world record um, being considered by the Guinness Book of World Records. That I'm not quite sure why or if it did ever happen. Um this is all off of Wikipedia, so it okay. should be up to date. Um, I'm going to end up saying this wrong, but it's a Japanese name. Uh, Wishi, Wishikazu Suzuki. Okay. I got that last name right, though. Uh, departed on November 23rd of 92 with 23 helium balloons. Spotted by Japanese Coast Guard on November 25th. Located about 800... Uh, kilometers offshore over the Pacific Ocean, never seen again. And so he might have the record. <laughs> <laughs> never seen again. <laughs> <you know? laughs> Sorry. Highly doubt it. We're talking Pacific Ocean here. <laughs> maybe, maybe he went up. Maybe he's in space somewhere. <laughs> maybe he landed in Hawaii and he's like, maybe freedom of speech. Maybe. I'm staying here. So in April of 2008 in Brazil, Roman Catholic priest. Adel Adelir Antonio de Carli ascended with a thousand balloons. Holy cow. Ground observers lost track of him when he floated out above the ocean and he was missing until part of his body was recovered by an offshore oil rig um, support vessel on July 5th. So like months later yeah. he was found. Um, so this is why I'm like, don't try yeah, this don't unless try this. you yeah. have support to help stop you yeah. <laughs> if something goes amok um so two months later from april uh, june 2008 faa licensed pilot jonathan trap um attracted a cluster of balloons to or attached a cluster of balloons to his standard unmodified office chair 
and flew at an altitude of 14,783 feet. The flight reportedly lasted four hours and covered 500 miles before Trapp Holy returned to Earth, cow. retired the chair, and returned it back to his workplace. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> On May 28th of 2010, Sky News reported Trapp's crossing of the English Channel by Jeez. cluster balloons. He did eventually try to do a transatlantic crossing, um, but stopped or his journey stopped short. When he was forced to land in Newfoundland, I'm not sure why, but something, birds maybe, who yeah, knows? who knows? Um, the latest, though, on September 2nd of 2020, David Blaine. Oh, great. Reached two or 24,900 feet via helium-filled balloons. He carried an oxygen supply. He released himself from the balloons. Um, his parachute automatically opened at 7,000 feet. Hmm. So, Sounds yeah. like something David Blaine would do. So that kind of caught my attention. I'm like, what? And then I found out it's a thing. And I'm like, what? That's crazy. Like, mind blown. Crazy, 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 crazy. So uh, I thought it was crazy. I thought it was really interesting, though. Like, this is a thing. I could do this. And then I read about people dying. And I'm like, nope. well, we're not close not to an ocean. One. But, you know, I could end up in one of the Great Lakes very easily. Yes. <laughs> what way does the wind blow? East, west? West oh. to east, usually. Yeah, I'd end up in, like, Inland. Lake Erie or yep. something. Hudson River. Yep, yep. Atlantic Ocean. Uh, hopefully it'd be a pretty view. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Well. My next story. I know you can't top that. I can't top that. And it just gets better. But I am going to talk about something I enjoy. Now, I enjoy quarter Video pounders. Video gaming? I enjoy quarter pounders, but I really enjoy what's Keto. in my next story. Oh, no. I really enjoy <laughs> it. <clears throat> in 1959. 1959. President Eisenhower. You like presidential history. Wanted to bring um, American culture to citizens of the Soviet Union. So to showcase the ideologies of the American way, the government arranged American National Exhibition in Moscow and sent then-Vice President Richard Nixon to attend the opening. <laughs> okay. Things didn't go very well for uh, President Nixon. I, okay. He got into an <laughs> argument with uh, Soviet leader uh, Khrushchev. Uh, they got into an argument over the topic of capitalism versus communism. And it got really, really heated. And the then president of Pepsi intervened in the discussion. Pe Pepsi company? Yes. Oh, my God. Intervened in the discussion and gave the Soviet leader a cup of his sugary beverage. And it calmed the Soviet leader down. And he fell in love with Pepsi. The Pepsi calmed him down. The Pepsi calmed him down. He, well, he just he liked it so much. He was like, ooh, I like this. And it totally distracted him. In the him middle of a fight, yes. you just stop. I and guess you're so. like, I guess what so. is this? It's a like a freaking commercial. A few years later. <clears throat> have they ever made that into a commercial? It's possible. I don't know. Uh, a few years later, people of the Soviet Union wanted to strike a deal that would bring Pepsi over there. But there's an issue. They had no way to pay for it because at the time their currency was not accepted worldwide. Okay. So they decided to buy Pepsi using the universal currency of vodka. 
Um, they traded vodka, vodka for Now Pepsi. we're talking my language. <laughs> um, that initial agreement ran through early 80s. Uh, but the agreement was up, and Russia was not producing enough vodka to renew the agreement. Ooh. So they needed to find another way to pay for Pepsi because they've really got caught on to Pepsi, and they really like Potatoes. Pepsi in Ru- Russia. No, um, no, they traded um, uh, seventeen submarines, a cruiser, and a destroyer. <laughs> what? <laughs> this is what happens, though, with a communist country that dictator is able to say i want this and therefore i'm okay giving them our military equipment and who's gonna argue with me (laughs) you're dead for for (laughs) for the time from the time pepsi took the agreement and accepted though those things from the agreement until they sold the merchandise they had the sixth largest military in the world (laughs) pepsi had the sixth largest military in the world Oh my God! What? Yeah, they, they, that's how much it costed. That it was enough military so, equipment well, to make them the sixth largest military. You mean to tell me that the military didn't, or that Pepsi didn't go? Hey, U.S. government military. No, actually, they sold it to uh, a Swedish company. Oh. For scrap. Oh. <laughs> they sold it all for scrap. Holy bejesus! <laughs> And it was worth um, $3 billion. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I have no comments on this because I'm just like. So at one point in time in the 80s, Pepsi had the sixth largest military in the world because of a deal selling Pepsi to Russia. I wonder if Cindy Crawford knew any of that. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah. I really like my Pepsi and I'm not, I'm, you know, not going to trade a military vessel for it, but, you know. Well, you don't. Have I don't one have any. You're right. You're give right. Away. How do you know? Maybe I got a tank in the backyard. Oh, okay. A septic tank. We don't have that, but you know, I figured I'd throw <laughs> it in there. <laughs> City sewage. No septic. <laughs> no septic. Um, I'm just like floored. Yeah, by it was that. just a really weird story, and it caught my attention. I'm like, I like. like I have that. no like, comment for it, but it was interesting. I do want to give you that. So props to you for not bringing us down, nope, Alan. Did not bring us down tonight. I was the Debbie Downer. Excuse me. I was the Desi Downer. So, um, my last story now. It's a little bit of a travel, but it's a fun event type thing for okay. after Christmas. Okay. Um, and then I'm like, ooh. We should have this event. I mean, a family event. Okay. But we could make this fun. Not like like my whole family. Okay. Because it could be fun. Okay. Um, fruitcake toss. A fruitcake toss. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, in this little town in Colorado, M- Manitou Springs. Okay. No idea. Um, they're celebrating their 25th year on January 23rd this year. Okay. Of a fruitcake fruit toss. toss. I'm one of those weird people who actually like fruitcake. So, like, people make fun of fruitcake. I've never really tried I it. So, like it. Um, but you can join in for some old fashioned tossing um, of the not so beloved holiday dessert. And there will also be fruitcake costume competition. I'm all there for that. We know <laughs> fruit this. Fruitcake costume. Uh huh. Liberations and fruitcake bake off. Okay. Um, Cakes are available for rent for a dollar per cake. 
So you can rent it. Well, you rent it and throw it and then... Somebody else gets to use okay. it type yeah, thing. Makes sense. You can bring your own, too, if okay. needed. Um, admission is one non-perishable food item um, is suggested for attendance. Okay. So, and then, the, of course, it's donated to that town food bank. Mm. Um, and although participants will be tossing the traditional... Um, Cakes, you can also, there will be the bake-off, but you can also buy the fruitcakes there as well if you do actually like the fruitcake okay. like well, that's good. yourself. That's good, you know, something for the people who do like fruitcake. And the best fruitcake there is the um, organic, non-GMO, natural fruitcakes that are there. Okay. Apparently, she wins first place, and she said it's because it's all organic. Mm. <laughs> no GMOs. <laughs> um and it could be true. It could be. Could be. Um, it's Colorado. She might be mixing in some special spices. That's organic. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this is a one-of-a-kind event uh, where enthusiasts travel from all over to compete for trophies and bragging rights. Um, has been a community highlight. As of this year, it'll be 25 years. Yeah. I can I can see a, a town doing something like this. Like I can see know. our town doing yes, this. I, I was so like, I. ooh, I might have to start something this like year. Something like this would be fun. National Fruitcake Day is actually on the 3rd or the 4th of January. Okay. And we'd probably want to do that before January 23rd because that's when we get our negative weather. Yeah. I mean, we could have negative weather. We just had, we just had some negative weather. weather. But it's usually more towards February. Yeah. Um, but... It's an event of the winter season. Competitions have included the hand toss, kids toss, launch, uh, pneumatic. I I don't know why the P always throws me <laughs> off. Pneumatic gun or cannon. Okay. Uh, team catch or archery division. Um, they even had a huge, um, the heck is it, where... Slingshot, slingshot, but it was like two people had to pull the slingshot back together. Okay. And then, oh, wait, I have pictures, but they only have one picture on the website I have where it's the two people um, slinging the slingshot off, but they have like a cannonball okay, yeah. type thing, and it looks like a slingshot from like Angry Bird or something. I've seen this one with the two people. I've seen this one of these slingshots used for water balloons, like to fling water yeah, balloons. They at other use them for yeah. for the the fruit cake. Yeah. So I just thought that was kind of cool. That is cool. If any year, and it's outside, so I'm sure this will be happening this year too. I'm jealous. Um, this happens in December. There's no snow on the ground. <laughs> jealous that's january well january whatever there's no january snow. 23rd these are previous events yeah. no snow in colorado i mean it depends on where so you're i'm assuming this isn't Probably. in the mountains no i'm guessing not in the mountains but that's just well it looks like it that looks like a mountain right there yeah those look like well maybe the could be southern, Cal- southern Cal- colorado's little uh more foothill area yeah. but yeah i thought that was crazy and i'm like ooh. We should start something like that here. Something like that would be cool. I, I think it would be cool. And you, even the kids can join in like yeah. a, a kid's toss. They even had like hula hoops up. And mm-hmm. yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. I get all excited about throwing food around. I like I like weird little town events like that. You know, Traditions that 
you know hear about from different places <laughs> around the country. Or I when like I bring things. you back to my old hometown, I know we've mentioned it more than once with the backhoe games. Backhoe games, yeah, that was interesting. Bowling with the backhoe, that rolling dice with the backhoe. <laughs> Very interesting. Yep. So I thought, yeah. I always have fun with those kind of things. Yeah, I think those things are cool. If uh, if you if your community has any kind of weird traditions, you should Heck send us, yeah. You should send us an email and tell us all about it. Uh, outlandishoutcasts at gmail dot com. Otherwise, you can come on to Facebook if you have a Facebook account. Message us there with that information. DM us. Yeah. Otherwise, you can comment um, at Outlandish Outcasts podcast i couldn't think there for a minute <laughs> like who are we again what was the name you, sorry you can find us on twitter at outlandish casts where we will tweet all the stuff we put on tweet, facebook tweet. and instagram because we don't really do much else on twitter <laughs> <laughs> um otherwise you can come to our instagram page at outlandish outcast podcast love us like us share it leave a comment Yes, or leave a rating or review in whatever podcast application you're using to listen to this right now. Go do it right now. And just remember to let Alan know I am way more funnier. Let Alan know that I am way more funnier. Okay, that's a good idea. Were you quoting me? <laughs> no, I was just I saying I saw your it. fingers as you did the quotations. I was you not doing the quotations. I, was not doing I didn't quotations. laugh. That wasn't funny because I'm the hilarious one. Well, now, if I would have said that. If you happen to be listening to this episode on the first day it comes out, enjoy your evening for New Year's Eve. Have a happy new year, everybody. Yeah, here's to 2021. Let's pray to God you're not just turning 21 as a millennial Let's hope that it's a new beginning, yes. but let's not hope for new beginnings. Let's just look at the past and go, what can I do to change myself? Yes. yes. <laughs> so here's the 2021. I hope you all have a good year. Yes. Happy New Year. Have a good week, everybody. Bye.